James, Raf, how much will you pay to keep your blue tick? It's, I'm actually really struggling with this question right now, to be honest. I reckon I'm going to let it go. You're going to let it go? I'm going to let, like, you know, I'm going to whisper it into a leaf and release it into the summer breeze. So even if it was just like five bucks, that's too much a month? But it won't be five bucks. It'll be 20 bucks. Well, it depends what you look at. Platform is saying five bucks. Wall Street Journal saying 20 bucks. Yeah. But five bucks US, so eight bucks Australian, too much? Yeah, I don't, I don't know. It's just, I'm not, I'm not, I don't value it that much, to be honest. You don't value it at I don't eight. value being a, you know, part of the blue tick elite. This is the beautiful thing about the pricing. It shows that you're willing to pay for it. Yeah. And I, you're not? I don't think so. I think I'm going to let it go. My cards are on the table. I've burnt two blue ticks. So you don't, you, you don't care? I set them on fire when they were free. Exactly. Yeah. What, what was so Jack analysis? Obviously, you said you were going to shoot a police officer. One day was the other one. It had a blue tick. What'd you do? Well, just after Becky Lucas said she was going to chop Scott Morrison's head off yep. and got banned, we then gave the one day account to her, which is like a verified account. And she immediately said she's going to chop Scott Morrison's head off and it got banned again. But we like donated it to her. Okay. On the, on the assumption that was what was going to happen. Basically, we're like, you can have the followers, you can have the blue tick, you know, like you're back to how you, where you started. Okay. So I guess it was her who intentionally set it on fire, but, you know, mm. we'd already released it. Yeah. Well, look, I've made no effort to burn to burn my account, but you know what? It's been a good ride. I'm not going to pay 20 bucks a month to, to keep it. Because I think, you know, at this point, it just becomes the fact that, like, it's just a signal that you're a guy who pays 20 bucks a month exactly. for a blue tick. There's no nice sort of aristocratic vibe. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> There's no sense that, like, you know, I was born to power. It's like I had to pay for it. Uh, and people will know. It's just a big fat mark that says I spent 20 bucks a month on Twitter instead of something else. So at Remind Me Bot, <laughs> does JR still have a blue tick in three months? Okay, well, we'll see. That's sort of true heads. It's like a, a dried mushroom. Yeah, I saw that in the bowl. What's going on there anyway? Well, you know, this is a workplace where we keep it healthy, keep it a bit woke, you know. It's dry- like a jerky equivalent. A dry, like a dried mushroom. The pretzels, there's too many. That was a mistake. They just came out too fast. Yeah, no, that's fair enough. But yeah, pret- pretzels are very, you know, they're a bingeable food. They're Moorish. They're very Moorish. But <laughs> this is, yeah, as you say, they come to Downround for this and they come to Downround to ask the question in leaving a review for us on iTunes. And, of course, you can leave your questions for Downround if you review us on um, Apple Podcasts. I don't know if Spotify allow no, reviews. you have to do it through a question. Well, you, but you can. we ask stupid questions on Spotify so you can reply there. Um, apparently, Google Podcasts, they can't rate or review. So yeah, it's a lesser platform. <laughs> so one of our cherished listeners has left a review for us on Apple Podcasts and they've said, a beautiful podcast by who I assume are two beautiful guys. Guilty. Mm. <laughs> Guilty. But then asked a question, which is great because it feeds into what we want to talk about today. Agent Cody Banks 2 asks, uh, I know the Elon Twitter thing has been discussed a lot, but I'm interested in your thoughts on his message to advertisers tweet which I'll, I'll read out in a second. Considering Twitter is largely created by us- curated by users and being banned from Twitter is actually pretty hard, I don't get what he actually wants to change. Mm. 
So that's a great in for us to talk about the big the, the big story in tech over the past week. I know we've talked about Elon Musk um, a little bit over the past month or so of Downround. He's come mm. up every now and again. We did that episode about all the suck-up techs he got from his rich friends. Mm-hmm. And at the time we said we don't know if this deal was going to go through. He was trying to back out of it. There were questions about whether it was actually going to happen. Mm. Um, but now it has happened. Yeah, and Mia Culpa. I said that probably some compromise solution will be reached where he would do some, have to pay out Twitter some amount of money. That was my prediction. And I, I agree with you. I was feeling very peer pressured in order to agree with that. Yeah, you know, I, I, I was kind of dragged along by I'm you. I'm a dominant personality. Exactly. Yeah. Um, and I will say, I feel like podcasts like ours, not ours specifically, but the fact those texts were released and people were having a laugh and making fun of it. I mean, this always happens, right, in, in court cases. As soon as um, discovery happens and embarrassing things are leaked. Everyone involved just wants to shut it down as quickly as possible. And perhaps in this case, the best way for Elon to shut it down was... To buy Twitter. <laughs> to I mean, $44 billion for... I'm, I'm, I'm pretty sure I'm of the view that he probably did seriously want to get out. Mm. And then I imagine his legal team were just like, don't really see a way out of this. You did actually sign an M&A agreement, yes. which is not just jotting stuff down on a napkin in a restaurant. That's like backed by the full force of US law. Yes. So now he's actually bought it. He stormed the um, the fortress, San Francisco, and now is in charge of Twitter and has started making some moves. So mm-hmm. do, you to, do you want to walk us through those, Raf? Well, started, like a lot of things with Elon, with an incredibly cringy joke. Yeah. He walked in with a sink. Yeah. And said, let that sink in. Yeah. A pun. I think we're all aware that the richest man on the planet, Elon Musk, is sort of culturally Reddit. Cul- not just Reddit. Because there's, there's lots of great... <laughs> subreddits on Reddit. He's culturally like Reddit front page. When you first sign up to Reddit and you have like those default subreddits that you sign up to. Yeah, but like minus 10 years. Yeah, totally. Yeah, he's he's r slash funny. <laughs> well, he's like he's the watermark. I, I funny. He's I funny. Yeah, he's like, I funny. If you tweet a meme at him long enough, he'll like just tweet it as his own as well. Never gives credit to source. Never photo emoji equals and the at photographer name. No, he's cringe. He's cringe, but look, that's fine. A lot of people are cringe. Yeah, that that is actually fine. Some of my best friends are cringe. Not me. I wouldn't know what that's, that's like. Some of my kids are cringe. <laughs> that <laughs> they're sucks. Not. They're not. My kids are based. Okay. Anyway, so he comes in, fires Parag Agarwal, former CEO, yep. who is, some people are joking on Twitter, actually, as far as the success of a CEO, whose job effectively at the end of the day is to increase shareholder value, he did a great job of that because yep. Twitter would probably be at evaluation of, 10 billion, maybe, and they just sold it for $44 billion. He got fired. Uh, the CFO fired. A bunch of the C suite, the executives fired. And Elon has temporarily instilled himself as CEO, although he says he's not CEO, he's chief twit. Yeah, cringe <laughs> again. But look, um, we're going to have to stop saying it because there's going to be a lot of this sort of stuff in this episode. But just mm. naturally assume that anything that he's saying or posting is cringe. Now, the interesting thing with that, with him, like, firing all the executives is, and this is still up in the air, it's disputed. I guess we have to do a caveat. Things are moving fast here. Yeah. Things are moving very fast. He fired them for cause, i.e. they did something wrong, you know, that deserved to be fired. They breached their contract. Yep. So, therefore, they don't receive severance packages effectively. Yeah. Other than the shares that they own and, and were given. Like, they don't get a big payout. They don't get their golden parachute. And look, I mean, again- Things move very quickly. Who knows what's going to happen? That does seem like he's sort of begging for like a lawsuit from mm. Parag Agarwal and, and whoever else. But 
yeah, I don't know. We'll see how that plays out. Then we did do an episode a few a couple of weeks ago, still worth listening to, of some of the, again the cringiest DMs you'll you'll see. They're all in his war room. He established a war room with a bunch of people. His yes men, his his best friends. To work out what to do next. To figure out how to fix Twitter, release free speech from the bondage that it's been in for the mm. past few years, make the app profitable, save the human race. Yes. which And we'll go into some of those plans because I actually am not a bit of foreshadowing. I actually think some of the ideas are good. Sure. Let's talk it through. <laughs> yeah. Let's nut it out. Yeah. Anyway, War Room- Lays off all of the executives. Rumors of mass layoffs yep. like throughout the company. A lot of conflicting numbers, but a lot of the reports suggest that he wants to lay off basically half the company. Yeah. Anywhere between 25 and 75%. Yeah. And he's done a lot of tweets where he's like, oh, he's doing this kind of like annoying thing where he's shut up at Twitter and now he's like live tweeting the things he's discovering at the company. He's like, there's like seven managers for every engineer yeah. or whatever. It's like, you know, whatever. Um, but the funniest part of this was the two enterprising young gentlemen Raul Ligma mm-hmm. and someone Johnson or someone <laughs> sure. Richard or something. Sure. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, who were interviewed by multiple media sources. As being fired Twitter engineers. Because they were hanging out in front of the Twitter headquarters with like a cardboard box saying they'd just been fired and they were having to take their possessions. And like in the cardboard box was like the biography of Michelle Obama. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But it turns out Raul Ligma and his. And Mr. Johnson. We're uh, not actually Twitter employees. We're that's, not. That, that's shock horror. <laughs> it was, that's a good gag. It's not, you know, exactly. Yeah. And they kept a really good straight face. Yeah, I know. Considering they were surrounded by like the biggest media organizations in, in the US, they held a straight face. I've got to respect that. Then we start hearing the leaks of the first ordains from up top. Like, what are they saying? What are you going to do now? You're a Twitter Sorry. employee. First thing you got to do, you got a new boss. Yep. Print so- off. All the code you've written in the last 30 days. Yep. That's what, uh, he was, his instruction was to do that. He told all these engineer, all these Twitter engineers. Obviously, I mean, to sort of frame this, it seems like he's trying to figure out all sorts of different ways that he can actually sack half the workforce mm. as seamlessly as possible without, you know, raising any legal or whatever problems. So, yes, one of the things he did was demand that they print off the last 30 days of code and then go through it manually with him, mm. I guess possibly with, with someone else. And then they got another direction hours later. They were like, just shred all that. I think when they realized that that was like a serious security vulnerability, just have the entire company's code available on paper. Something else I would say is a lot of this is obviously like blood and circuses for the people on Twitter. Yes. And the Mars fans who are like, following this like it's a football match or something like that no i mean that's what i'm doing i mean i don't have any primary sources yeah no totally we're going we're going fully fully into it um and he also brought in a bunch of tesla engineers yeah and boring company engineers to audit the code boring company being his digging company the the one that makes tunnels i'm not i'm not a software engineer you know i know i know my way around you know python and javascript but i i wouldn't call myself a, a pro by any means but i don't know what the intended purpose of having like a bunch of Tesla autopilot engineers just read like 5 million lines of Twitter code <laughs> to like find problems with it. I don't even, you know, apart from him complaining about bots, his primary complaints with Twitter are not its code base. He's like mad about censorship and he's mad about, you know, the way it's run and the way mm. that like the policy is operated and all that sort of stuff. None, none of those are really coding problems. No, I mean, it does actually sound like Twitter has some serious structural problems. Oh, 100%. Yeah, that yeah. Need to be fixed. And, and maybe they do have more too many employees 
I don't know. It sounds like their code base is archaic and they've been unable to evolve. And obviously, as like a user, it's pretty obvious that they are not very good at innovating on their product. Yep. But yes, it seems like this is not a particularly good way to... Sorry. It's actually a really good way to fire 50% of your organization <laughs> yeah, totally. for no reason yeah, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. very quickly. And it's, you know, as I said before, it's like shock and awe. You come in, make a big entrance, say, I'm, I'm shaking this shaking this place up. You know? Yeah. Print uh, your code. Print your code. Then, though, we do come to the innovation. First, there was what our friend, our beloved five-star podcast reviewer put in the in our reviews asking about Elon's message to advertisers. Now, as you, you may know, one of the reasons that he said he wanted to buy Twitter um, was, you know, safeguard free speech. He said, I'm going to purchase Twitter so that free speech isn't suppressed, people can have conversations, no one's going to get censored, mm. et cetera, which, you know, definitely pleased a lot of people who love to talk about that stuff all day, basically, <laughs> but also naturally made a little some advertisers a little bit uneasy because obviously if you're PepsiCo, you don't want your soda stream ads coming up next to the N-word by a white guy. <laughs> Correct. You don't want, you know, your ads surrounded by slurs and videos of cartel executions or whatever. So he, I'm not going to read his whole little message. He, he did tweet it out, but he basically was talking about, oh, you know, there's been so much speculation about why I bought Twitter and why and what I think about advertising. It's all wrong. The reason I acquired Twitter is because it's important to the future of civilization to have a common digital da- digital town square where a wide range of beliefs can be debated in a healthy manner without resorting to violence. It goes on, it goes on, it goes on. But then he said, that said, Twitter obviously can't become a free-for-all hellscape where anything can be said with no consequences. In addition to adhering to the law of the land, our platform must be warm and welcoming to all, where you can choose your desired experience according to your preferences. So if you don't want to see the N-word, you uncheck that box. Yeah. You uncheck that box in options. And then he here's where he's really laying it on thick for the guy, for like the CMO of um, Peloton. <laughs> he goes, I very much believe that advertising, when done right, can delight, entertain, and inform you. It can show you a service or a product mm. or medical treatment that you never knew existed, but is right for you. Preach. It's um, this Don Draper. That's a Don Draper quote. He said that. <laughs> for this to be true, it's essential to show Twitter uses advertising as relevant, blah, 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 blah. The whole um, point of that message, which I've, I didn't read a chunk of, is him just trying to say to the advertisers, hey, calm down. It's not going to be become this like seething pit of vipers, mm. this den of iniquity where you can do it, do and say whatever you want. It's still going to be somewhere relatively brand safe. Yeah. Which I think probably some of his Uber fans who have been sort of like waiting with bated breath for Twitter to suddenly be the platform they wanted it to be. Yeah, which I don't actually know exactly what that is. I don't know. It's still not entirely clear what they kind of want. But yeah, I think generally in the sense is they would like it to be less woke. Yeah. You know, they don't have to see tweets from their political enemies. Well, so I guess it would have pissed a lot of people off that Trump got banned. Yeah, yeah, that kind of stuff. So they, they, all these guys are probably hoping that, like, day one, Elon comes in, unbans Trump, Trump is president again. Yeah. You know, their kids still talk to them. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> the storm is here. It's beautiful. But, you know, anyway, these things take time. And, of course, this kind of, like, ties into that whole incoherent argument of Elon Musk where he's like, I want the free speech platform, but I also want to remove bots and spam. Like, no more spam, but also free speech, which anyone with half the brain can realise is a juxtaposition in that, like, spam, as I've said before, is free speech. Like, spam is someone posting the same thing again and again, censoring that. 
I don't know. It's, that's his challenge. That's his challenge. You know? I, I don't agree with that. But uh, You don't agree that well, spam I mean, is free speech. But I do. what I do agree with is that, like, the definition of spam might be a little bit challenging, right? Like, is pl- are political ads and, like, the huge amount of, like, political content that you see around an election, is that spam? If you're In the same way that you get, like... My point is more that spam is legal for the most part. There's nothing yeah. illegal about spam, right? Yeah, yeah, And the Elon Musk free speech thing is we will allow everything except for things that are illegal. It's not illegal for me to say subscribe to Downround again and again and again, reply to every blue check with subscribe to Downround and then have an army of bots liking my post, right? That's not illegal. Sure. That's the incoherency is like free speech versus usability of a platform. Well, yeah, it's the thing we talked about the other week. It's like, you know, there's free speech, but there's also making a space that's actually pleasant to use Mm. or whatever. And then when you actually get into the argument of what's pleasant to use, you suddenly realise that people posting racial slurs all day is most is it relatively unpleasant, not just for the people who are targeted by racial slurs, but people who just have to like scroll through their feed and see them. I think that I might be speaking a little bit out of school here in that maybe we need Dan Nolan on to say this to fact check me here. Like for the most part, a platform is looking at user behavior rather than content itself. Like I feel like very rarely if you're to create a spam filter or whatever, any filter, you're for the most part going to look at the behavior of the account, how often it posts, how frequently it posts, how quickly it replies, etc. Yeah, yeah, totally. Uh, on the same topics rather than we're going to censor everything that says MAGA or whatever. No, no, absolutely. And this is what one of the, the current policy guys came back, who's obviously still there. He was mm. employed before and he came out and did a post where he was like, we don't actually just like filter words. Mm. We look at like the, the way it like behavior and inauthentic behavior accounts that are clearly not real or like coordinated around. Anyway. With the issue though being that when an account is following those behavioral patterns, but the content is MAGA, Trump, QAnon, anti-vax, whatever, or, you know, the flip side, I'm sure, Antifa. Yeah, <laughs> Black Lives Matter, like, you know, whatever. Yeah, exactly. If you put them on the opposite ends of the spectrum. If, if one wants a horseshoe. An account like that can behaviorally act like a cryptocurrency spam account, but people take no notice when, like, a crypto account is suspended. And the media, I think, is somewhat responsible for this. If an account is a spam account that's always tweeting about MAGA or Black Lives Matter and gets banned, you're able to say, it's because of the content. This account that was posting Black Lives Matter content, this account that was posting MAGA content has been banned when it was probably banned more for behavior rather than the content itself. Anyway, that's uh, Elon's got to... (laughs) That's his, gonna sort of that. that's his problem. That's not, that's not, not really our problem. Um, <laughs> Thank God. Yeah. But the other thing which was really interesting is the first indication of like an actual business strategy or something, which is that he, as we alluded to at the start of this episode, when Raf interrogated me about my personal blue check consumer intent. Everyone's got a price. Everyone's got a price. That's true. A dollar a month? Uh, maybe. I don't know. Maybe. Um <laughs> Basically, once to so Twitter Blue exists already. That's like the pro Twitter subscription product. Costs five bucks a month, and currently not that exciting. It lets you edit tweets, mm. but very obviously edit them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it gives you the option to do it. Mm. It gives you kind of like a reader view of all the different things that people have shared in all the links that people have shared in your network. You can see them all in one place. You can take Twitter threads and unroll them as like a a written page, like prose. So it's not a super compelling product and only a few people pay for it. Yeah. It doesn't seem like it's had a huge amount of success. Mm. Um, but one of the things that a bunch of reporting suggests, The Verge reported at Wall Street Journal, is that he wants to jack it up to 20 bucks a month, which is you know, that's getting to sort of like beyond Netflix territory. But it'll be presumably an expanded product. And one thing is that's how you keep your little verified check. Yeah. 
your little blue check. That's the only way to keep it is by paying your 20 bucks a month. I love this. I love it. I think it'll work. Mm. I know that for you, well, we found your price. It's a dollar, maybe. Maybe it's <laughs> maybe, I don't know. three bucks. It's something, it's something like, ooh. Yeah, I don't know. Go ahead. But for a lot of people, they'll want to keep that blue check. I actually, I actually think this is a good idea. It's not going to generate that much revenue, unfortunately, for them. They're going to have to expand it massively. But I can see them turning verification into a product rather than this weird cost center for them. This like, at the moment, it's controversial. It's annoying. I'm sure it costs a lot to go through the verification process. If you can make your user effectively take on that cost and then make a profit from it, that's pretty smart business move. And there are a lot of people, <clears throat> journalists, who need that blue tick? Oh, they got to have it. But and the- brands, of course, are going to yeah. uh, every brand. Well, like if it's twenty bucks, the brand's going to yeah, do no, absolutely. That. Yeah, totally. Uh, and like I'm sure, like media companies will expense or let their or, or pay for their journalists to have the blue checks. Exactly. Um, like any business is going to expense that easily. It's but, not a lot of money. So there's some interesting. Like I find blue checks and like the verification stuff on social media so really interesting. So obviously. Twitter was the first one to introduce it. Now mm. everyone has it. Mm. Instagram and Facebook have it. TikTok has it. Why were the blue checks originally introduced? It was because it was to actually confirm that someone was a real public figure. Yeah. So that you wouldn't look at a tweet from someone pretending to be someone else and not being able to identify which the real account was. Yeah. Right? So it was, you know, a reasonable practical purpose. But in the years since they introduced them, blue checks have become a little bit more than just verifying someone is real. They've become basically like a status symbol, right? Yeah. Like people want to have a blue check. Because you have a blue check, like it shows you you are somebody. Yeah, and not only that, it does actually confer some reach benefits in that 100%. blue checks will appear in the replies first. Replies first, search first, mm. whatever. Like I, I, as you said, I have a blue check. And it, the reach benefits have actually been like fairly substantial. Yeah. So um, if I was going to pay to keep it, it would be because, you know, I have a newsletter I have down round. I want more people to see that. So I get it. As you say, the problem with it is it kind of comes in ways and troughs in that I worked at a media organization a few years ago and I have people at Twitter who I know and they literally reached out to me and said, hey, who do you need verified at your organization? Send us a list and we'll do it. And they just did it. Like I just sent them a yep. whole list of accounts and a week later, every single one of them was, was verified. Yeah. No, because um, the current way they do it doesn't make any sense. And a lot of like, any but then of these- they shut it down for a while. They then shut it down for like nearly a year. Like, so- They're like, we're not verifying anyone. Yeah. The reason that Twitter actually shut it down is because some like far right guy who was in that Charlottesville Unite the Right Nazi rally or whatever was verified. Mm. That guy named Jason Kessler. He was um, he was verified, and then people were like, "Why is this guy seemingly the only thing he's famous for is being like a public racist?" Mm. Verified, and then Twitter kind of panicked and were like, "We're going to work out what we're doing with. We're going to work out what's going with the blue tick." Um, to be fair, it was relatively incoherent as it, to like what still, it means, and it still is. It still is. It needs. It's broken. Broken. Busted. <laughs> busted. <laughs> so, but as a result, yeah, as I said, it has like a, a status symbol attached to it. If mm. you have a blue tick, what does it mean? What does it mean? It means that you're either a celebrity, influencer, journalist, yeah, or general media figure, government official, banned. <laughs> So as a result, like people wanted it and they wanted to find out hacky ways to get it. There was like a ProPublica story earlier this year about like this weird scam that was using like people placed at Instagram or whatever to get people verified on Instagram. A big like cartel of Instagram verification. Because, you know, as I said, it confers benefits. If you're a guy that like, if you're a musician, if you're just starting out and you manage to get a blue tick, people are going to see you and be like, oh, this guy must be an artist worth knowing, right? You're not just a yeah. local band. You're someone with some prominence. 
So, yeah, as you said, it doesn't really work. And I, it sounds like the current Twitter war room or whatever are making the bet that A, blue ticks are the power users. I think that's fair. Mm. So the power users of Twitter who make the core and people that do the vast majority of tweets and whatever either have a blue tick or, like, would want one. Mm. So the opposing kind of view or the one that says it's bad would say, well, is it still going to be the case where someone at Twitter has to decide whether you deserve one and then you can pay $30 for it? Or is it going to be a thing where it's like you can just pay your 20 bucks a month or whatever and anybody can get a blue tick? Yeah. Which, you know, that could be fine as well. I mean, maybe maybe eliminating the status aspect of it is the best way to go about it. But then what's stopping someone, if, if it's a free-for-all, what's stopping someone obviously from just like paying for a blue tick for some, like a name that's not them? You know, Jack Anastas or so, whatever. Exactly. Yeah. So, <laughs> I mean, who could imagine that happening? Um, I mean, as a product between the two of both it being a symbol of status but also it being... Uh, conferring some benefits yeah. or what have you, I can see them trading the line. I actually think that I personally think that it's not a bad way to generate revenue, especially if you focus money on it. And yes, you end up giving more people blue ticks, yeah. but you've got a team of people who are actually, their P&L is looking a lot better. It's not just an L. Um, no, It'll be interesting to see what happens. I don't. I think it's interesting. I think, like, especially as like the blue ticks, to be fair, are probably the ones who are producing the most content for Twitter that well, like, a lot of us come to read. Yeah, yeah no, exactly. The only other thing is... Everything they've sort of suggested so far, I don't know. It's like the the fact that Twitter becomes even more just like a hustle fucking grind set thing where it's just like guys posting threads or whatever yeah, and yeah, like yeah. running little businesses, like content businesses through there and they get blue ticks so it becomes more yeah. legitimate, more reach. Influences. Like they do see like that Jason Calacanis thing that we brought up. That's one of Elon's inner circle. In the war room. In the war room. And we talked about him on the podcast with the texts. One of his ideas is that someone could, pay X amount of money to blast out a DM. DM, yeah, LinkedIn style, which is like the worst feature of LinkedIn is that your inbox, your private message box usually is spam marketing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Although uh, the LinkedIn comparison is actually interesting because if they make Twitter blue or whatever like LinkedIn premium, LinkedIn premium, as as someone who's a writer, I actually love it. I you use, use it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I, I pay for LinkedIn premium. I did it for a month because I was reaching out to- this is for real meeting tree heads. Guy Sebastian's brother to comment on. <laughs> on what? To comment on some posts he made that <laughs> some people alleged that he was showing rock spider um, instincts. And so I was asking for his comment by using <laughs> LinkedIn <laughs> premium. premium to reach out. And, but I got a one month free. Yeah. But sorry, as a writer, how do you use LinkedIn premium? It's just the easiest way to contact, to find and contact people that yeah. are like at a particular organization. Mm. When I was at Business Insider, I was using it all the time. I still use it a bit for like the, the newsletter and stuff. Like, mm. um, because the, the funny thing is people actually read their LinkedIn inbox. I know. Especially if you're like- As I said, it's like a notification from- Someone could be sending you a message and people send me messages on LinkedIn. Yeah, exactly. Every time you see- Like every time I see a LinkedIn message- I check it. Like, at least the ones you get a push notification for. Because like yeah. the ad ones you don't- No, it just sits up the top. It just sits up there as like an ad. But if you get a message from someone yeah. on LinkedIn, you're always like, oh, this could be a guy offering me a, <laughs> a seven job figure, Neom. A seven-figure job. I could, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I could go be the marine biologist at Neom. So, yeah, no, you got to cop it. So well, it's like SMS. SMS open rate's 99.9%. Yeah. Like my hit rate of finding people to, like, interview for various things. If you go through LinkedIn, emails, people never reply to them. They just got to go into the mass. But LinkedIn, people will reply to them, even if it's just to say no. So that's valuable. And if Twitter can, like, get a little bit of that going, I can kind of see that being- But it's going to be so annoying. It'll be so annoying. It'll Because, <laughs> like, LinkedIn sucks to use. You no, don't no. want to be on there. Well, that's the thing. I 
I assume much like you, I'm on Twitter a lot. Yeah, like, yeah. I'm no, on, I read all the time. Yeah, I'm hitting the give me 15 minutes more quite well, a lot. I'm the guy that Elon wants to shake down for every cent I have. If my message, if I'm getting notifications for a direct message and it's just like crypto, it's going to be crypto. Like, yeah. Because yeah. I, I just get hit with just crypto, crypto. That's going to suck so bad. Yeah, yeah. But we'll, I guess we'll see. Yeah. I guess we'll see. But the other big one, Vine. Bring back Vine. He said bring back Vine. Apparently, they, he's got- Engineers looking at the code base of Vine, 10-year-old code base. Yeah. Resurrected. How quickly can we do it? Can we do it by Christmas? Yeah. And the Vine was great, but I think it was like a kind of a flash in the pan. Yeah. I think I think that ship has sailed. Because mm. remember, Vine was very old school. Like, you would follow people. Yeah. And then see all their videos in your feed. Oh, your feed was whoever you followed. Yeah, that's It's insane. But they can obviously, about. like, yeah, it is insane. Like, uh, so imagine that. But, like, you know, you can see them TikTokifying they can, Vine. They can TikTok- but-, but once they TikTokify it. It's not Vine. What's the point? They've got to keep it at six seconds. Yeah, and I don't see that happening. Nowadays, people won't they, stand they, for that. No. It was novel at the time, mm. but TikToks are getting longer. Like, TikTok yeah. is doing more long Well, so did stuff. Vine at the end of Vine, right? Like, That's right. Everyone realized that engaged minutes is actually what so you want to be aiming I'd for. I'd be, give it a crack by all means. I just think that, yeah, I think that the ship sailed. As well as, like, the Vine thing is kind of a creator play. And the thing about Twitter is, like, creators are young, and, and I think that people have to understand- us, slightly younger and above, have to understand that old people don't create culture. Young people create culture. It's and unfortunately true. Twitter is for old people. Like, we're, cre- we're creating culture right now. I, we're reinforcing the, the, the dominant paradigm. Culture? Oh, we're not doing oh, That's true. Yeah, yeah, we're just talking about stuff that's already happened. We're not creating culture. Like, the kids are creating culture. That's just a fact. Like, young people create culture. It's not a fact. I'm sure that there are outliers. I can't think of one. Who created uh, culture over, over the age of 35? Uh, Bono? <laughs> the exception that proves the rule <laughs> but hence creator economy stuff on twitter i can't see it working yeah, yeah. i mean like a lot of young people do use twitter i'm actually getting this fresh now that i've started the down round twitter account down round pod which only follows me you the meeting tree three people thanks for the follow. <laughs> no, no worries i'm always happy to bolster your uh, pathetic following um <laughs> But as a result, because I only follow three people, Twitter's like scrambling to show me shit. And I'm seeing like the side of Twitter that I never see. Oh, young person Twitter. Which young person Twitter, like all like the, a lot of it's like recycled memes and shit. But there's a lot of like, there's a lot of terrible stuff. But there's also, there's some fresh. You reckon Gen Z's on there? They could very well be. I don't know. As a percentage, who knows? This is the thing. Here, Elon, if you're listening, bring Vine back, but do like a YouTube rev share thing with the kids. Bring them over to Vine on Twitter and, like, give them money for going viral, et cetera. I know that, like, well, Snapchat this, this and stuff was, tried this. Well, but- this was the big thing that Vine stuffed up. Everyone talks about how Vine was just, like, shut down for no reason. And, like, it kind of was. I mean, in the sense that Twitter didn't want to in- invest a of time in it. But they had just fucked it up the whole way. And, like, the creators were abandoning the platform yeah. in droves because there was no, like, infrastructure to manage them mm. and keep them happy. There wasn't innovating. They had no idea what they wanted to do with it, no idea how to make money from it. Mm. Things they had tried hadn't really worked. So there were a lot of things conspiring against it. And, mm. you know, it raises the question. I mean, Elon has never done anything like this. <laughs> no. That's the, that's the thing as well. Like, people are like, oh, but he's a business brain. And it's <laughs> yeah. like, well, he may be. But, like, his other stuff is all shooting stuff into space. No, he has as much experience of- with Twitter as us. Yeah, exactly. Like, you know, and look at his feed and the people he engages with. He's not actually seeing he's normal- He's got more followers than you, fam. It's very true. It's very true. He's <laughs> not seeing normal- me. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Yeah, you're right. He leaves us both in the dust. But the people he chooses to engage with are just, you know, that's not the average Twitter user. They're freaks. 
You're in your bubble. 